Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Design Driven Life, where we hope to inspire you to shift your mindset and create the world that you want to live in. I'm Wendy Yates, and today I get to speak to Roberto Milk. Roberto is CEO and co-founder of Navica.com, one of the largest handmade gift and home decor websites in the world, selling the works of thousands of artisans and featuring over 75,000 limited edition works of art, including jewelry, apparel, handbags, rugs and tapestries, home decor items, and a variety of collectibles. To date, Navica has sent $106.9 million to artisans worldwide. Roberto was named one of the 40 social entrepreneurs to watch in 2021, as well as an outstanding social entrepreneur by Schwab Foundation and a young global leader by the World Economic Forum in Davos. Hi, Roberto. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Design Driven Life. We'll just jump right in and share if you could just share who you are, where you're from and how Navica was founded, you know, a little bit of background and a little bit about how how you how you started your company. Cool. Thanks, Wendy. So nice to be here. Um, Yeah, Roberto Milk, CEO and co-founder of Navica. Um, We work with artisans all over the world. I'm part Peruvian. My mother was from Peru. Uh, My dad's an American who uh, grew up, he was the son of missionaries, grew up all over the world in Cuba and other places. And, um, and so I feel like I'm like, I've got this kind of these, the, all these, uh, these uh, different um, influences in my life. And, um, and Navica in many ways kind of came out of that. Awesome. So what is Navica and exactly, um, you know, what, what, how, tell us how the birth of Navica, I guess, you know? Cool. We're, I mean, we're definitely, I think I'm, I'm talking to the right crowd because we're a social, like social mission first company. It's all about the mission. And, you know, it, we basically started with this idea of how do we um, make up, create a better system for artisans to sell their items all over the world. And I had grown up traveling. My parents are both teachers and, and we took these extended summer trips. Um, my brother and I, my brother's also a co-founder and um, we would see artisans all over the place. And my grandmother on my Peruvian side was an artisan and we would see how artisans can be so talented and yet, if their items are even sold in the U.S., for example, they'd be sold at really high prices. And we're like, man, the artisan isn't getting uh, enough of, of that price, and the system's so inefficient. And so many artisans are struggling to make a living, and all these precious um, um, global heritage crafts—they're disappearing because there's not enough money in in kind of in, in people handing them down to the generations, you know. And so we thought, how can we make this a better system? And so that's what we did. It was born from a social mission of how to how to create a better platform, a better a system for artisans. And um, it's been really successful. We've been going for a long time and we've sent over $100 million to artisans to date. Wow. And we're, it's accelerating right now. More and more people are hearing about us. I'm glad I'm on this podcast and <laughs> telling 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 all about the company uh, because there's the, when, as soon as someone buys one time, they're hooked. It's so cool. Yeah, I love it. I recently um, kind of got involved myself in furniture artisans because I discovered some in Honduras that I was like, you should really be, you know what I mean, using this to create an income and then learn financial literacy with your income. And so, because I think there is a lot of that in some of these countries where um, they do a business, but they don't get to create a legacy out of it, right? I can't believe that I'm just now finding out about it. So I'm super excited to help promote it and get it out there uh, to more people. Um, and as a social entrepreneur, you know, one of the things I'd like to talk about on this podcast, because I think it, it's, it resonates with, with our with our listener group is, um, is the purpose and why, why is it important to you to be a social impact entrepreneur? 
Um, and you know, tell us a little bit about that for, you, for how you see your purpose. Yeah. And then one thing on your furniture artisans from Honduras, we have an office in Antigua, Guatemala. We would definitely love to work with them uh, in Honduras. Okay. And we have a satellite in Honduras. And you know, right now, especially Central America, it is really tough for artisans to make a living. And so anything that we can do in Central America and any new artists, we're always happy to work with them. So I'm going to follow up with you on that too. Amazing. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. more about that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, living life and, and doing business with purpose, I think is, it, it, I think is, a, is the way to go. <laughs> and I think a lot of your <laughs> listeners, because like really life is short. We're here for just this brief moment. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what do, what do we leave and what do we do with our time here on earth? You know, I think it, we just really got to think about, you know, what are our, our particular skills? What are our gifts? Where, where, where can we make an impact? And then life is so much more fulfilling that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and especially like I'm a hard worker, whatever I did, whatever I do, I'd be, I'd be working hard. Like if I was an investment banker, I'd be working when I was an investment banker, I was working hard. Like I'm a hard worker. I might as well work hard on something that's going to make an impact and, and, and like make a difference in people's lives. Um, and so that was kind of, you know, that that's kind of the mindset is this, is this, um, is this kind of like, you know, how do you make, how do you make a, an impact in the world? And then we just found our area and it, it just really, like when I think about artists, maybe because my abuelita was an artist, maybe because um, of all of the travels that I mentioned where we would see how you'd see such talented artists and struggling. And then I get, I get emotional about it because so many times when we meet artists um, and, and, and that's part of the fun is like, sometimes we go and we try to discover artists. We'll go to a market and we're like, who made this? And there's all these middlemen that don't let us figure out who it is. And it's like a, like a, like a scavenger hunt to figure out and we'll get to the village and we'll be like, who made this? And then we'll find the artist and we're like, your life has just changed. You know, it's about to change. You, um, you're about to get this, this big break and artists, you know, there's this lack of respect that happens. And I think that's what really gets me emotional about it is how so many of our artisans that we put on a pedestal. I mean, these are master artisans, men and women that are at the top of their game, making incredible, beautiful pieces. I mean, from jewelry to the clothing, the apparel, chess sets, sculpture, like everything you see on our site is handcrafted to perfection, right? And you'll meet a lot of our artists and they will not only not be discovered, but they will be treated badly in many of the countries, like, like second-class mm -hmm. citizens in a lot of countries where they're at. Um, and it just has to do with, with how there's little respect in something that should be so respected because it's part of our, and I love the way UNESCO puts it, part of our intangible global heritage. Like these, these, this, these traditions and its culture, and it's so important to preserve. And um, anyhow, that's why I get emotional, but, and that's why we're yeah. doing it with, all, with everything, everything we got, make it happen. You know, like let's build that we hit a hundred million um, of funds sent to artisans. We want to get that to a billion. We want to work with tons of artisans from many countries. We're in eight different um, regions of the world right now. And we see big opportunity and the customers, it's all about the customers. You know, they, they just need to keep shopping the way they're shopping. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, for centuries, right? Artisans have been overlooked or thought of as irrelevant, but really they're the visionaries of what our world looks like today. Like everything, I always say this, everything starts with design, you know, coming from as a designer myself, like it's crazy how their craft or their, uh, because they couldn't make a living doing it is lost and not passed on to build out, you know, future generations of that gift that they had. So super incredible. So how do you, how did you go about, I know you said when you traveled, you would see the artisans, but as a social entrepreneur, like from the business side of it, 
it. How did you go about then when you found, when you went through the, you know, you found the village and you found the artists, like getting them on board and, you know, setting up a system that allowed you to give them money, you know, because crossing international borders, I imagine that was a challenge, especially, I mean, I have a hard time paying one of my employees that lives in Spain sometimes. Yeah. So, so I can't <laughs> imagine how the, so can you share a little bit about the journey of, um, you know, the entrepreneurial journey of getting that off the ground? Yeah, I think it all begins with crazy ideas. You know, it's like, okay, what are these crazy ideas? And, and our crazy idea was let's not, we're, let's, we're not trying to do like, like do a retail shop or anything here. We're really, what we're trying to do is create a whole system, right? A global infrastructure. And so when the idea came about, um, my girlfriend who then became my wife, my girlfriend was like, you have to talk to my mom uh, about this. Her mom was with the United Nations. She was a UN um, human rights officer and she oh. was just finishing up a mission in El Salvador. And she's, and I'm like, oh my gosh, talk to your mom. <laughs> I was a college student. And so I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I guess I'll, I'll give her a ring. And then I talked to her. She's the nicest lady in the world. And she said, she said, you know what? I love this. I've always wanted to do something more for refugees. And so I see a lot of times we resettle refugees, but then what do we do afterwards? Like how do, how do they, um, you know, basically make a living? And so she's like, I want to, I, I want, I'd love to go back to some of the countries where I've worked and she'd worked all over the world and create an economic development model. So if you guys do this, then I'll join. And I, I hung up the phone and I, and I told my girlfriend, I was like, I can't believe this just happened. So your mom is willing to leave the United Nations to like to join us on this thing. And it's not even, it hasn't even been created yet. And so, um, so basically I, I then switched my whole plan and, and got into investment banking and private equity and, um, and learned basically how to, how to raise money and how to, and so it was like a five-year incubation and all of our other co-founders, they all went their separate lives and they built skills. And if that's one th bit of advice I could give, it's like for social entrepreneurs, it's great to, to like, to approach something with passion, but also see if you can build the skills around what you need to get, right? So that you like, like design, for example, that's such a key skill that you can't just, you can't just dream it. Like there, it, it, it takes some effort and some, some schooling and some, some practice. Right. So, so like, so I went into investment banking and I, we, I came out of that with a whole lot of contacts and with a big, big plan. So we ended up raising like $20 million and our initial funders were National Geographic and the World Bank and Scripps and a bunch of other um, kind of key players in the industry. And Nat Geo really opened up doors for us. And um, the whole goal was that we wanted to open the offices all around the world. So artisans could essentially work directly with our offices. And, um, and so we did it, we did it pretty big. So we, we approached it pretty big and that, that was helpful because it was kind of expensive and hard to build that, build out the infrastructure, but now it's built. Yeah. yeah so what is the process if I'm a consumer um, and I go online and I um, make a purchase, does it come directly from the artist or is it being, are you pre-purchasing artisan goods and then shipping from your different warehouse locations? The original idea was it would be from artists. That was our original, original idea. And then, and then we saw in the process that that was way too hard because we wanted to work with the smallest artisans, like the ones that if you're, you know, like hiking the Inca trail, you know, and you see this incredible artist, you know, and, and that artist makes these incredible, like we wanted to work with that artist, not with just like bigger companies that make artisan goods and different, you know, that wasn't really, our, we wanted to work with individual artists. So we thought, well, we just have to provide a system for them. Let them craft. They do what they want to do and what they do best. And they just bring the items in. We photograph, we list the items in our system. We do all the packing, the shipping. We do our 
quality. We have what we call Nabica certified. So we do the quality, the authenticity, the ethical labor. They, they sign all, all of our agreements and get on board with all of our kind of like, like procedures that we've got. And, and then basically the artist doesn't have to worry about it. They set their prices. They can change their prices. They just have to worry about making stuff and we ship it. So if someone goes and buys, they'll get the item from, let's say from Thailand. They, sh- they shop from, from our Thai off from in the site. There's a piece from Thailand. It'll come from Thailand. We have weekly shipments into the U.S., so it takes, it takes like one to two weeks. Like it'll, it'll take longer than let's say like your next day order on Amazon, right, <laughs> but right. you're getting it from the region. And, the, and a lot of the stuff is one of a kind or very limited quantities. The artisans, and it's the, like the best of the best artists making them. And then, and, and, and it comes like gift wrapped with a postcard often signed by the artist, if not from one of our local office teams, you know? And so it's really a special experience coming straight I, from the country. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so one of the things in our pre, um, pre-talk questions we and we always talk about this at some point with our guests is is mindset because I think it's really um, at every stage in entrepreneurial journey we're in different mindsets that either help us overcome you know um, achieve differently you know we, we have to be ever evolving right and our ideas get bigger and bigger the more that we grow and so you talked about the growth mindset and living a purposeful life and I know we talked a little bit about that that being your purpose and, and why you started but I love for you to expand a little bit more um, how you operate in a growth mindset and how others can can be more like you. Well, you know, I don't, I, I have to start by saying that I'm not an expert in this and I would definitely, I would love to talk to you more about it and learn more in this area. But, um, I do, when, when I think about mindset, I do think about the growth mindset and really how do we, how do we, um, think about abundance and not, and and basically not not limit ourselves. Yeah. This abundance over scarcity. I think that is key. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, no, cool, cool. Cause that's, that's kind of the way that we approach it is, you know, how, and and a lot of times that there's a karma thing also that happens in a weird way. And I don't want to get too like philosophical with it, but basically anytime we've had challenges, it seems like there's an artisan or there's a customer, there's someone that comes through in in an incredible way. And, and I think it's because we just approach things really um, like the artisans don't have contracts. Like it's like, it's all very fair from the very beginning, the way that we've set it up. And um, I think that helps. And then we we're just dreaming really big with it and, um, and approaching it that way. And um, every time we feel like we've hit a new, a new kind of like benchmark, it's like, okay, what's the next one? And how do we, how do we basically open ourselves up for all these good things to happen? Um, so yeah, I like, I definitely like that the philosophy behind a growth mindset. And I think that we do our best to, to play in that space. And, and um, I, I encourage others to do that too. It's like this challenge that you got to do for yourself, right? It's like, how, how do I not limit myself with my own, with my own mind, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And if people can um, try to discourage you too, you know, I think um, all of all entrepreneurs get discouraged at some point by somebody saying, oh, that's a crazy idea. You just can't make it happen. Um, what are some of the challenges and obstacles that you had to face in building out Navica? Well, that was one of them is that every industry expert that we talked to thought it was a terrible idea. So that, that is is like exactly what you just said is one of, was one of our biggest obstacles. Um, and, um, and so then I, I often caution people with early feedback because I, I tell them, look, if you're getting really bad feedback, it's hard because either it's really a bad idea or it's, or it's really an amazing idea. idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, cause like a not big idea, everyone's like, oh yeah, that's great. Because it's just not, it's just something that's kind of something that's been done already and everyone's done it. And so it's, you know, but like, if it's a big idea, you know, so that's the hard thing. Cause sometimes it really is a bad idea, <laughs> you know? And so it's like discerning what's the bad idea and what's the breakthrough? What's that breakthrough idea, right? And so for us, that was hard because early on, people were really negative on it that were industry experts. They're like, nope, can't do it. You got 
to bring it into a warehouse in the US or in Europe or wherever your 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 target market is. It's got to be done there and then you're you're bringing it in and you have buyers that travel the world and they'll be um, sending things in containers and that's the way it's always been done. You're not going to be shipping straight from countries and you can't be working with these small groups. They're just too hard to work with and they don't speak in the language. We're like, "Yeah, but we're we're going to have local experts and they're going to speak the local language and they're going to, you know, and we'll be we'll be shipping, you know, every week." And they're like, "No, it's it, 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 basically we heard every single reason why it wasn't going to work, you know? And, um, and so, and that was really discouraging, but you know what? The lucky thing is that um, those that were either um, in the um, nonprofit space and that were interested in infrastructure and, and like, like, for example, National Geographic and, and the World Bank, or those that were um, really like dot-com investors. So they were interested in like, you know, where, where, what, what, what classic industries can you disrupt? You know, those people got it. So the retail people were not getting it, but the people that were like the disruptors or those that really wanted to create better systems for people to help people thrive around the world, you know, that those people were getting. And so they, they ended up being our, that was our kind of our backers, you know? And, um, and so that definitely, um, definitely careful with that, with those negative thoughts early on, <laughs> believe in yourself. Yeah. yeah. Great advice. Great advice. I think, um, it's either they're not trying to discourage you, but they just really, they don't believe that they could do it. So they're not going to believe that you're capable of thinking differently and putting things together differently. And, um, I love that you push through and especially in the late nineties like that, you know, I think today there's a lot more openness to disruptive thinking and there's a lot more risk-taking and venture capital on these, like, you know what I mean? More forward thinking ideas and especially making us all global citizens. And I think that's a, um, a beautiful thing that you're accomplishing. So um, what are some of the um, maybe routines or some, some tips and tricks as an entrepreneur that help you stay focused and um, help you, you know what I mean? Get, get all the things that you need to accomplish done as you're leading this great company to the next steps and next phases. Well, you know, one thing, one thing that I do feel like is, is kind of key is, is, is um, having balance in life. That is so important. And there's been times when I feel like I've been really off kilter and it's mostly because um, I haven't been able to, to get that balance. And um, for me, for me, you know, I've got, I've got four, four kids. I can't believe it, but four kids. <laughs> and, um, and it's, uh, it's amazing. And I just really try to be as the best dad I can be, you know, and it brings so much joy, you know, basically to, you know, to do that and to spend time and to really be thoughtful in that area. Um, and, um, and so, and one thing that I like to do is every day, just get some exercise, just try to try to break a sweat somehow. And usually for me, because, you know, I'm trying to get the kids involved. It's like, how do I get, do, do something with the kids? So I'll either coach soccer with them, or I'll do, it'll be, you know, go for a bike ride with them, but I'll, it'll, it'll be something. And I just think that that those, those moments are so key for, for entrepreneurs and, and to, um, cause the thing, the hard thing about entrepreneurs is that, you know, basically you're never off the clock. Right. And then when you're a social entrepreneur, I think it's even more stressful. Like, well, you care, you care so much about the people that you're helping, right? Yeah. <laughs> there is no, like, I, I, I saw this thing, this social entrepreneurship mantra from the UK. It was something about how there is no plan B. And I really, I like, I totally grabbed it because, you know, the whole, there's this whole uh, lean startup you know, mentality of, you know, just give it a shot, you know, put a, put, put, put a MVP out there and see if it works. If it doesn't, then, then, you know, who cares, you know, just, you know, just try you know, you, you just, you know, iterate and you break things and you, you know, and, and like, 
And for me, when you're a social entrepreneur, you're like, yeah, but there's lives on the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it has to work. Like we can't not, this can't not right. work. This has to work, you know? So, so it's, um, it really does stress social entrepreneurs out more than anything. And so please social entrepreneurs, you know, definitely, definitely got find your balance, whatever it is, you know, with relationships, with, with others, with, with exercise, you got to get that kind of mix in the mix. And then you'll be that much better of an entrepreneur for it. Amazing. Thanks for sharing that. And I think this is a different question than that. I haven't asked others before, but being that you went into investment banking to start your journey, I think if you had any tips you could give, um, young, old people changing their lifestyle to become a social entrepreneur in what are some tips that they're going to go and approach a pitch to kind of get some funding since you were able to sort of be in that background and, you know, I mean, have a little bit, I don't want to call it leverage, but some knowledge, you know, that they might, they might not have. Well, if you, if you haven't been able to acquire skills, you know, like, like for me, if there's a, if there's an industry that someone's gonna, that someone wants to, you know, you know, you know, you know, focus in on, perhaps there's a way for them to get a job in that industry or to do consulting in that industry, just to get to know that industry better than kind of jumping in. That's always helpful. And then, you know, finding the right mentors is key, you know? So I think also in our social entrepreneur communities, um, we also need to be more open to, um, to others, you know, for mentorship and that kind of stuff too. Like I've had some incredible mentors over the years. And, um, and then I, I see others that are, that when they, when let's say they've got a big pitch and, um, and they've got someone who they can run it by first, you know, that kind of stuff is really valuable. Um, so I'd say also seek out mentorship. Don't be like, I'm, I was never the one who like would go to my professor's office hours. You know, I was never that, that student. I would, I was a good student and I would do my, my work and um and I wouldn't seek out I think because I just you know and so and I think it's always figuring out you know how do you how do you cultivate these these mentorship relationships and they could be very valuable and um and so I would definitely recommend that it's finding good mentors too um because it's sometimes it's it's a little weird but you know what as someone who does mentor people too it's, um, it's always, you know, if, if I don't have time, then I don't have time, but like, but I'll never, I'll never feel bad about someone asking. And yeah, I, know I think when that's I was really important, side, right? Just ask, yeah. it, it, it doesn't hurt. And if, if anything, you're just giving someone, um, I don't know, like some validation anyways, and you're not insulting them by asking them <laughs> to help you out with something. And so I, I think that that's a really, that's, that, that'd be key for a lot of social entrepreneurs. Yeah. I think that's beautiful advice. I, I went many years without seeking mentors or coaching. Cause I, I just didn't even think that that was a thing, you know? So I think, I think now it's more prevalent. There's mastermind groups. I think there always was, but it was game changer for me when I started working with mentors. And, um, so, so that is beautiful, beautiful advice. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and, and I do think that people want to help other people, especially if you're doing something good, but yeah. we're all afraid to ask for help, right? We don't want to impose on somebody, but if someone asks me for something, I would tell them everything I know, right? because I want yeah. them to be successful. And I feel yeah. like if I have an idea and you have an idea and we tell each other what we're doing, we can both grow faster together than us trying to keep, you know what I mean? Um, our secrets. And I think that, so true. that that's really, really great advice. So I'm actually on the Navica site and I've already started putting things yeah. into my cart. So amazing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm becoming a consumer of Navica. But um, as we kind of close this out, is there anything else that you would love to share with our listeners? Well, you know, I want to make sure that I, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I give you a, a $10 code to post somewhere. And okay. so that anyone, anyone can get $10 off their first purchase and, or their next purchase. And I just really encourage people to do it because you know what, in, in this, in this world where it's like fast fashion and this and that, like, it's nice to get something that was made, you know, with 
with like time by hand, you know, using traditional techniques with a low carbon footprint, you know, it's like hand crafting, you know, there's something beautiful about it. And, and, and reading, reading the story of the artist and, and they make incredible gifts, but it's just a great way to get cool stuff for yourself and for your home. And yeah, I, I definitely, I encourage everyone to try it out and, and we love our customers. So anything that we can do also just you get in, anyone can just get in touch with me and and let me know if there's anything we can change or what we can do better. And um, if there's any comments people have, I'd love to hear them. Well, I love what you're doing. I love this. Um, I love this whole mission and vision. I'm definitely um, a customer for life and um, can't wait to help promote and support you. Um, and so thank you so much for your time. If there was, what are the goals? The up, I know you talked about the billion dollars. Is there any other upcoming goals for Navica that people should know um, are part of your your upcoming mission and vision? Sure. Yeah, there's this, there's this really cool project that we've had kind of on the down low, which is our subscription box. And oh, it's called it. Undiscovered. And basically it's, it's all of these what our goal is because we have such a local experience like when you travel when people talk about their travels they're like man that was the most amazing you know trip that i took and usually it's because they met a local or they did had some kind of cultural experience that was different than just like what they would normally have and so we're like how do we replicate that within our in our world and so it's called undiscovered and Love we're it. about to launch it although if you i think if you google it you'll get it well if you go to undiscovered.navica.com i think it's there and you can you can sign up for it but um but so this this is basically going to be this quarterly seasonal program and we have an artisan guide picked in every region so the first region is bali so there's an artisan guide like your local guide and they're gonna they've kind of helped curate this box and so there's all these choices that people can make you know to to, to customize their own box um but but they're going to be able to get all these all these items plus they're going to get like all these things that are like the the, the best local restaurant that no one's heard of, you know, the, the best recipe for the artisan curator's favorite, you know, dish, um, local music, local, like all these local traditions that, and all of that will come in the box. So when you open it, it's like this unboxing of just art and culture and traditions. So all put together like by a local in Bali, you know, and then in other future regions to, to be done. And so we're excited love about it. that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I love it. I'm super excited for that. That's amazing. Undiscovered. I love it. I can't wait for that. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. I love what you're doing for the world and the artisans, and I can't wait to get to know you more in the future and watch all the things that Navik is going to do. I can't wait to um, see the launch of Undiscovered. And um, I just wish you the best and really appreciate your time today. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Wendy. So happy to be here. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review. I also highly encourage you to check out his site, Navika.com. And you know, what you buy impacts so much more than what you think. So why not impact the artist directly um, on a higher level? So my challenge this week is, to really just go check out Navica.com. Be on the lookout for their upcoming Undiscovered box. I think that that is an amazing concept. And um, what a better way to have an impact on the world than to be intentional with your spending and um, share what you found on Navica with us that you you loved. Um, That would be my second challenge. Thank you for listening. I am thoroughly loving our platform for our podcast, Budsprout. So if you are considering, and you should, starting a podcast, it's so fun. It's a great way to connect with people. It's not hard when you have the right partners. If you're looking for a place to host your own podcast, join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out to the world. Start for free and receive a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up.